Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. James, have you heard about this? Well, from what I understand, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, um, it, it's a hard thing to capture. You know, it's, it's very mystique and you never really know what's going on. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I actually think it's pretty clear. It's, it's a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. Professional photography offers your websites, brochures, and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into your unique venture. Do you understand a little bit better now, James? Yeah, uh, redfish. No. Uh, shutterfish. That's, uh, yeah. No, Contr- shutter film. Contracts up with that, uh, um, with that, uh, yep. Smoke and Mirrors doesn't just deal with commercial shoots, but also private accounts as well. Wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, and even more can be available through Smoke and Mirrors Media. Nobody does it better. Visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca for more information and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram for more information. Sound good, James? Who's getting married? Uh, well, actually, I'm pretty sure your girlfriend wanted to do a photo shoot with you, she was saying. Well, so we're not getting married. Well, but she she thinks it would be nice just to do photos. Oh, photos, yeah. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Are you, aren't you down? Most of the photos we have are just us drunk at sporting events. So That's right. <laughs> Maybe a nice one would be a nice change of pace. Where, where it looks like your eyes are, all all four of your eyes are alert. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Present and in the moment. That'd be great. Very romantic. I all like right. it. I'll reach out to Smoke and yeah, Mirrors. Yeah, give Smoke and Mirrors a call. And I'll better understand what they're all about for next time. Yeah, that's right. Please enjoy this week's show. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Guys, thanks a lot for the time. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Last one. Cheers. Salute. Cheers. 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 Hey, we're going home. Misfits. Going home. We finally get to leave. Oh Misfits. Hey, you know what, though? Hey, Misfits. We're going home 35 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping in still. October 5th, 2020, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. I can't believe we've been doing this for over a year now. This is fucked. We're still going. I'm James Cole. I'm still James Cole. We're still going. Oh, I'm I'm Brutes Battaglia from the north side. How are you doing, man? I'm fine. The, uh, the season's over. We made it. Yeah. It only yeah. took 86 months, but we're here. Yeah. Yeah, and we did it uh, without causing any COVID cases at all. The NHL was great, and definitely no one is getting sick as a result of everything that happened. 
So I thought I thought you meant us, like the podcast. Yeah. I, well, we're no, doing, we're we're doing great. I, I mean, I could be asymptomatic, but I think I'm we're, good. Uh, we're zero cases for zero tests. We're we're perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're not. You see, the difference is, James, you're not allowed to get tested unless you have symptoms, right? Because why would we want people to be, you know, fucking proactive about it? Yeah. Uh, this the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, yeah. The the long awaited. They did it without torts. And Stamkos. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. Definitely with definitely less torts on that <laughs> roster, that's True. for sure. Yeah. Um, Lightning win. They they get over the the defeat of last year being swept in the first round. This is a Tampa Bay team that has been one of, if not the best hockey teams in the NHL. Over the course of the last, what, four or five seasons? Tampa? Yeah. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Since since the last time we saw them in the Cup Finals in 2015 against the Blackhawks, the Lightning have always kind of been there. little blip in 2017 when they missed the playoffs, uh, mostly due to the injuries of Ben Bishop and Steven Stamkos. But they stuck it out, um, you know, even despite a GM change. They didn't blow up the roster. They didn't fire the coach. They stuck to their guns, and it paid off. Tampa Lightning, 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Um, look, I, I think on the surface, can we can we agree that the the better team won in the finals here with the with them against the Dallas Stars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like we all know, Dallas is a good team. No one was ever really denying that, but they were definitely a surprise to get to the Cup final. I think. Um, for the most part, I mean, they just weren't a conventional pick. Like they were, uh, I said multiple times when we were doing our playoff predictions that I didn't see anyone other than those big four teams coming out of the West to the cup final. And I was quite right because three of those four teams were the four teams that made it to the second round. So like, there was no doubt to me that it was going to be Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, or Dallas. So it's not a complete shock that they got there. But of those four teams that I listed, like, at least going into the postseason, I would have considered Dallas probably the weakest of those four teams. So, you know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised that they got there, but... I am, I guess I am, I mean, like, I took them to win. I thought they would win the series, but I, I didn't think Tampa Bay was going to be able to overcome what a lot of their players are dealing with, and, you know, maybe they weren't dealing with them at the severity that we all thought they were, or maybe it was just pure talent winning out, I don't know, but um, they're definitely the better team to get it done. I just, I thought they were going to be more out of gas, and God bless them, there was uh, uh very assassin like the way that they got it done yeah um a long time coming as far as i'm concerned like like we talked about um one of the nhl's top teams they they win the cup and this is this is something that i i didn't really focus on i never really considered this angle until uh until i started thinking a little bit more about this this tampa team is that you know we 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 saw you know, then win the cup this year. Last year, um, St. Louis takes the cup home. A, a bit of an underdog story there, but a, a team that definitely looked very strong in the second half of 2019. The Capitals the year before that. 
and then you go back into the Penguins with their back-to-back cups. And I, I always had this kind of mentality as a hockey fan that it didn't matter if you're one of the best teams in hockey as long as you show up in the playoffs and you get the job done in the playoffs. And if you have a hot goal in the playoffs, you can go to the finals. Or if you have an unknown finished kid scoring hat-tricks every series, then you can go to the finals. And the best team never really wins. But we've seen a, a bit of a trend now lately where the best team has kind of been winning cups. Like, you could argue that the past five cup winners are a top three team in the league each year that they won it. Um, so, I, I guess my question is, you, you talked about Dallas being one of your, your picks to come out of the West. I think we're kind of, to a degree, a little bit losing the underdog story that had seemed to take over the notion of what the playoffs were for, for hockey, especially as a sport. Because, like I said, we, we see it all the time about how it doesn't matter what your regular season is. If you if you get lucky in the playoffs, you get lucky, you get the bounces, you get the hot goalie. But I, I think lately we've been seeing the, the best teams win. Well, what, I, what I'll say to that is, like, you're not completely wrong. But here's the, here's the big, you know, difference for me on that is that it's it's it all comes down to sample size and the notion that a team can get into the playoffs not be great but move on to the second or third round of the playoffs you know it it makes sense when you really think about how it's not easy to win a seven game series but you know if you go up three nothing and one of those games you won on a bad call or something like that like all it takes is a little bit of luck to change the complexion of a series so We've seen a lot of these teams that shouldn't um, be be going very deep into the playoffs, moving on to the second and third round and shit like that in the last few years, although I don't really know that we had a huge example of that this year, but uh, it's happened in years past. But what I would say is it's harder for uh, a bad team to overachieve over the case of, over the course of 110 games in a season uh, than it is for a good team to underachieve. Uh, through the first 65, like it's, or whatever. It's very easy for a good team to to have excuses that are kind of holding them back, where I think there are a lot of bad teams that find a way to maybe win more games than they should because, you know, they have a favorable schedule or they have less injuries or whatever, and, and, it, and it works out that way over the course of a season. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I, I mean, I don't remember the last time we had a cup winner that I felt was bogus or something like that. Like, a, like I feel like basically everyone has earned their cups. I, I think uh, the only one that in at least at least since I've been yeah watching the NHL. I think anyway. the only one that you could make an argument for, and I I know that you and I were both kind of convinced about this team, but the eight seed Kings, for example. I don't think a lot of hockey people saw an eight seed doing what they did that year in the playoffs. Like that that really cemented the idea of an underdog playoff team where kind you can of, but, sneak into the playoffs, you can have a hot goalie, and you can win a cup. Well, sure, but I mean, sneaking, like, th- that that's my point, though, is that the Kings were a good team that underachieved for a large portion of that regular season, but, you know, that 2012 Kings team is one of the main reasons that we can now, you know, look at the NHL and realize why things are being done based on analytics was because most people didn't think that team was any good, but all the nerds were sure. like, "Yeah, they're they actually might be the best team in the league." Though. Right, but it's not it's not like they were 
you know, a four or five seed the year before in 2011. Like, they realistically kind of came out of nowhere in 2012 to win that cup. Um, they, they weren't a perennial, like, they're, they're not the Tampa Bay Lightning like this year where we've all just kind of assumed, like, yeah, they're going to win their cup. They're going to win their cup. Just give them a little bit more time. The Kings kind of just showed up one day and were like, hey, yeah, we're the best team in hockey and we're going to win it. And no one really knew how to take that. Um, and, and so I, I, think I mean, in a way, but they made those big moves, right? Like they, like we should have really seen them coming. They, they made two of the biggest trades of the last ten years, still probably like in a matter of six months from each other. Sure, and, and you know what I mean. So yeah. like, I don't really know that we should have been that shocked because they were definitely going for it. But mm-hmm. I, I see what you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the they're like they're second best possession team in the league that year, right? Sure. Like that's the thing. Like. A lot of people and, and, saw them well, coming, but yeah. a lot of people didn't look at the game that way. Exactly. And I see what you're saying, but like when you look back on it in hindsight, the right team won. You know what I mean? Definitely. Now, now in the moment, like I would say every year the cup winner is usually not the right team because the team that wins the President's Trophy would be the right team, like just by logic. You know what I mean? But, sample size. But, you but know, they're not. Exactly. So like, but... That's where it comes back to maybe fundamentally flawed teams find a way to fucking win fifty five games and then it catches up with them in the in the in the long run or whatever. But yeah. Um, so now one one big thing that I wanted to like touch on and I, I mentioned it briefly, but the Tampa Lightning had opportunity after opportunity to blow this thing up. Mm-hmm. And what do you think this? This team, the the way that they stuck it out, the way they persevered, what does that do to the rest of the league? Does that is that a bit of a wake up call? Is that going to change the outlook of certain franchises in their front offices? Because look, John Cooper is the longest tenured head coach in the league right now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in terms of the numbers, like off ice, he should be the next guy to get fired <laughs> because he's done the job the longest. He's been in the mm-hmm. same spot the longest. Like history dictates, he will be the next to go. Uh, they didn't fire him. They stuck it out. They didn't fire their GM. GM left. He had a better opportunity somewhere else. Julian Breezebois steps in. He keeps the same culture going on, you know, in, in, in terms of the makeup of the team. They don't move on from the captain that can't stay healthy. Um, you know, they, they find a way to replace their one starting goaltender with the young prospect starting goaltender that is coming out from the European leagues that have never been to North America and instantly comes in and makes a difference. Um, they don't move on from depth guys like Tyler Johnson, Andre Pilat. Uh, they really did everything they could to keep the core of this team together while adding here and there guys like Shattenkirk and, and Patty Maroon and bringing in the right little pieces to kind of change the, you know, the identity of the team instead of blowing it up. Like I said, um, is this something that you can see catching on, or are we going to still have to have this talk about trading Willie Nylander every fucking two well, weeks? I mean, Toronto aside, like, there's... The difference here with Tampa Bay is, you know, Julian Breezebois was hired by the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2010. Like, this isn't a guy who they brought in because Eiserman left. Like, this is literally the guy who built the Lightning alongside Steve Eiserman. Eiserman happened to leave. I don't know that Breezebaugh maybe isn't the better of the two general managers, though. Like, maybe he is. I'm not saying that he is or he isn't. But, like, he could have been the brains behind that operation, for all we fucking know. And, um, 
he continues running the team the same way that they had been running it, and they were fortunate in that sense that they had smart guys in their front office. I don't know that it's a wake-up call for a lot of other teams, though, because um, there are teams that choose to uh, make rash decisions because their ownership feels that that's how they should do it. And then there are also teams who just simply are not run by people that are as competent as Julian Breesbar or maybe Steve Eisenman. So uh, should it be a wake-up call like it, it should be for probably about, you know, at least 20 of the teams that they uh, their general manager is not good enough. Um, I mean, like, it, it, it this could have gone a number of ways, though, right? Because, like... Because Dallas is almost the complete opposite of that idea of what the uh, Tampa Lightning did. Dallas came in and they got like efforts from these no-name pieces that just pushed the issue forward, pushed the issue forward. Like Tyler Sagan was a non-factor in this in like a finals. Well, and, and that's he what was I was going to say. Injuries, like, but... They've they've kept their core intact too, but how much their core actually had to do with them getting there? Like it was actually their offense, their their off-season additions and some of the guys they've drafted in the past two or three years that mm-hmm. were the bigger difference for Dallas. So, yeah, I, I don't know if they're... You're right. Like, I don't know if they're the right example, but there there aren't a lot of teams that have just sort of stuck to the blueprint the way that Tampa Bay has. But they've been fortunate. Like, the you know, it, it's easy for us to sit here and say that they were smart to keep the core together when in reality they've won more games than any fucking team since 2013. Like, they've won the most games. Mm-hmm. So, it's really fucking easy to sit here and say, like, well, they were patient. and Well, yeah, because they were winning every single year other than maybe the one. So, you know, is it smart general managing or is that just common fucking sense? Like, I don't know. The Another team that really hasn't blown it up a ton over the years is Washington. But now they're in a spot where, like, their window's closed, I think, and... and um, like they're number two on the list, I think, of teams that of games won. They're top, they're top four anyway. But you know they were patient and, and they got their cup out of it. But you know that's all they're really going to get. And is Tampa Bay going to get another cup out of this core? I don't know. And, but, then, and then you look at like San Jose, another team that well, did their best to keep the core together. No, and that's the point I was going to make before uh, before why well, I was I almost interrupted you, but um, is just like you know history looks back fondly on Doug Wilson which I guess we're sort of fortunate about because it'd be very easy for us to sit and look and be like, wow, look at all that wasted time in San Jose and they never got it done and all this shit. And, you know, maybe they should have moved on from Doug Wilson. And But Doug Wilson was another guy who every year San Jose would just make one big move and then pretty much the entire roster would be the same on a year-to-year basis. And they built through their chemistry and they built through their system and, they drafted well. They had a lot of good luck with undrafted free agents, and that's the same thing as Tampa Bay, right? So, you know, it, it starts and ends with your scouting staff, really. If your scouts aren't doing a good enough job in the in the, in today's NHL, you can't win. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And Dallas having, you know, the ability to put players in the lineup that supported the way Rick Bonus wanted to play the team and Jim Montgomery that's what helped get them there. And it's the same thing as Tampa Bay. They continue to find Tyler Johnson's left and right to fill out their lineup. And that's partly why they're so good. Um, Is they can trade Tyler Johnson 
and they have another Tyler Johnson right. waiting in the in the in the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, playoffs. We're done. We're over with. We we look ahead to the future, but when we think back to the 2020 Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Lightning, um, obviously, no matter no matter how you want to break this down, no matter how big or small you want to make it there's going to be an asterisk next to this championship. We had to we had to put the season on pause. We didn't finish all 82 games. We expanded the playoffs to 24 teams. Um, we had the weird play-in, buy-in, uh, you know, first round that was added. Uh, we had all of this inside of empty buildings with players spending over two months inside hotel rooms. There is just, at the end of the day, going to be some sort of asterisk on the season but is it as big an asterisk as I think we thought it was going to be going into this uh, a few months ago like I think Tampa Bay winning is one of those inevitable outcomes that no maybe they wouldn't have won under regular circumstances you play those extra uh, regular season games and maybe you know Andre Vasilevsky blows his knee out for all we know but I, I think this wasn't a situation that we went into where, you know, the Arizona Coyotes went on a run and won the bubble cup. And now we kind of have to go, wow, that was fucking weird. And just put an asterisk on it and, and move along. I think the lightning winning kind of crazy how Montreal won the cup. Wasn't that nuts? I I think the lightning winning kind of reaffirmed Price only allowed three goals over 22 games. Wasn't that nuts? That we got real hockey. We got real playoff performances, especially when you look back and you say like, you know, Vegas and Colorado and Dallas, like those teams made it far in, in their in their conference. You know, Tampa Bay wins it. Um, is that a fair assessment of, of what we just witnessed over the last couple months that, that this wasn't as random of an outcome as I think a lot of people were worried it was gonna be? Yeah, I mean that and that's a that's a good thing, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's good for the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Nobody wanted that fucking uh fucking Arizona yeah, Chicago like, Stanley Cup final because right? it would have just been like you know, yeah, sure there were no positive tests, but at what cost, you know? And yeah. <laughs> fucking yeah, Arizona Coyotes are on the Stanley Cup, and the fucking... Leafs and Oilers both go out in the first round. There, like, there's no home field advantage for those teams and playing in their own buildings. You know, I think everything kind of went according to plan as as far as what the playoffs would have looked like anyway. So I've heard this point brought up. And I understand that it is somewhat ludicrous, but I do think there is something to it. That I I am a little unsure if this Tampa Bay team ever gets over the hump with fans in the stands. Because this is a team that I do think there is a small degree, and I, I've said I don't really believe in it, and I don't, but I think... There is no better example of a team that just kind of chokes in the playoffs as Tampa Bay before this year. There are a few instances where it was just kind of... They just should have... they Like, you'd think they'd find a way to win certain series, and they didn't. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't always there. But it just sort of seemed to be creeping up, and last year was no help for that. So I think... That if there's fans in the stands during that Columbus fucking five overtime game one, and they lose that game, 
I don't know that they end up getting to where they are. Because, like, it was just one of those things. They went in motivated, and they never got their confidence, like, knocked out of them. Like, they were just flawless pretty much the whole playoffs. They'd lose a game, and they would just get right back out there and score right of, right the fucking off the bat and shake off all the all the dust and all the nerves and everything and just kind of keep going. So I think there is something to be said for less the feeling of less immediate pressure in the building around them that allowed them to kind of loosen up and get it done. Um now I I don't think that that's cause for an asterisk really. Like that only affects the game so much and I think Tampa Bay is one of the teams that it would affect the most, but even still, when you're as good as Tampa Bay, like, that shouldn't be that big of a fucking story. But I think it played a factor for them, anyway. Um, yeah, because I think you can make that same kind of argument about a lot of teams, to yeah. a degree. And, and maybe Tampa Bay is the most glaring example of that, but... Well, every you know, every team is filled with human beings. Like... They're all got, they all have feelings and fucking emotions you know, and reactions, yeah, yeah, right? But, but, like, there's an argument to be made that, like, the fucking, like, Islanders could have benefited better if they had fans in the same. Like, maybe the Islanders go to the fucking Cup Finals if, if they're playing in their home building. By the same logic, right? So, I, I see your point. I, I myself don't buy it at all. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know. Like You hear it all the time about these guys that they come off, off the ice and they're panting through their interviews talking about, like, I didn't notice the, didn't notice the crowd. You know, they weren't really a factor out there. And I, I believe that to a degree. Like, at some point, you just got to play the game. And I, I think when you're at that level, when you're you're professional and, and you're being paid millions of dollars to go up and, and, and show up and, and do the job, that they just do the job. And, and if they want to use the fans as an excuse when they lose, that's eh, their prerogative. But uh, I don't really buy that sentiment. But I, I can see your point for sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I think there's maybe been half a dozen players in the history of the NHL that have ever given an interesting intermission fucking interview, but that's that's fair. Sure. Uh, whatever. Interesting um, and, and truthful are, are definitely different, you know, things. No, but they all say the same thing, is my point. Like, they all say the fans aren't factors. Okay. Fucking, like, yeah, they, you don't need to sit here and say that they're controlling the game either, but, like, they all <laughs> say the same. Sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, it fucking just give me Ron Hainsey between in, in, between periods all the time, please. Um, My guy. Yeah, but like going back to it, like I don't, I don't really think that there is a like there is there. It's just the whole thing. Like we're all talking about this this asterisk, and it's just like nine. Like I I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I feel like no one understands what an asterisk is. It's just a footnote. It doesn't need to demean anything. It's just something to point out that you need to consider more than just the basic fact. Like the Houston right? Astros. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what matters is how you read into the asterisk, right? So the difference here is Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup. Okay, well, what's with the five asterisks? Well, they did it with 24 teams in the playoffs. Yeah. They did it uh, in a bubble. They did it without travel. They did it, you know what I mean? Like all these little things. And it's like, do you think that's when the fan needs to make the informed decision after they read all the asterisks and be like, that's up to you to decide if you think it affected the outcome or not. But those are just the facts that you need to be made aware of. And you can look at the Houston Astros and be like, oh, what's this asterisk? And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, they actually knew every pitch that was coming down the fucking pipe before it left the pitcher's hand because there was a guy banging a drum. Do you think that affected the outcome of the game? And 
any sane person would be like, well, yes, of course it did. Um, so that's the difference between an asterisk, right? It's just how do you want to read into the fact that the asterisk is pointing out? And for me, I don't really... I, I never I don't really think I was ever buying the idea that um, whoever won the cup it's bullshit. Like you still won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. But there, I think there were Yeah, like, does it go differently if it's a 16 game format with yeah. fa- or 16 team format, fans in the stands, all that shit. You know, the playoff teams would have then been different. Does it look the same? Fucking of course it does. Mm-hmm. You're out of your goddamn mind if you thought that that's exactly you like you tell me people fucking thought Montreal was going to make the playoffs. Give me a fucking break. Like, get get fucked. So if you honestly think that, you know, the chain reaction of everything else that would have been different, the butterfly effect, essentially. Penguins don't go out early. Exactly. I, I know what you're Exactly. Saying, yeah. So you're, you're naive if you think that everyone wins as many games and every injury happens. and It's just that's not how life works. Mm-hmm. But does Tampa Bay still win the Stanley Cup? Uh, yeah, fair chance. There's a reasonable chance. Like they're a very good fucking hockey yeah. team. Uh, very good ho- hockey team. Uh, not so good at partying uh, after Ugh. winning said hockey games as the Tampa Bay Lightning head down back to Florida uh, two days after their Cup championship to uh, to have their parade. And and on the surface, I I will start off by giving them a little bit of credit. Mm. I think sober minds, big Florida guy. Eh? I think sober minds. <laughs> Came up with a really unique, cool idea to try to make a parade happen and keep everybody safe by hopping in boats and getting in the water. Okay, this wasn't a, a bus or a convertible. M&R would have been having a field day, yeah. am I right, folks? Taking you down the main street of Tampa, Florida, where these guys are shaking hands along the way. They thought, you know what, let's let's put a little bit of distance between everybody. Let's put ourselves on boats. Let's get out there. We can still do our thing. We can still get in the line and hoist the cup and, and have a day. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And then the booze started flowing. Yeah. And we got a little loose with the conditions. And all of a sudden we're doing shots with strangers at a Lord Stanley's mug. And yeah, uh, sorry, Phil Pritchard. I, I guess you have COVID now. That's That's cool. You guys got Phil sick. Thanks. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's 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 that whole idea of, like, George Costanza sitting in the meeting at Yankee Stadium telling them that it would be a good idea to have a John Voight day at the stadium so that way he can meet John Voight. And then, like, the idea that everyone else in the conference room was just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, that's a perfectly fine idea. No one was ever going to, like, notice the flaws in it. It's the same thing with the parade. This was always going to be the outcome. It's just, you know, am I going to sit here and say that they shouldn't have had any sort of parade? Well, actually, yeah, I am going to say that. But is that realistic? Maybe not, you know. So, um, I wasn't even remotely shocked that that's the way it went down. I actually thought it was going to be more of a mess than it was. So, uh, am I saying congratulations to Tampa Bay for uh, holding a safe parade? Yes. Um, fucking absolutely wild though, mind-boggling. We spent all this time, all this effort, all this money to go through the bubble (laughs) and have not a single fucking case of this brutal pandemic enter any player's body. It's kind of like you went to prison for murder and spent the whole time thinking about how you're not going to murder again and then you got out and the first thing you did was 
fucking killed a guy. Yeah. Like, it's just like, what? Yeah. And, you and spent like, all this time. And, and look, I, I, I sympathize with these guys to an extent. Like, you just got locked in jail for three months. Yeah. You do no, the I one thing you might never do again in your life, which is win the fucking championship of the sport you're playing. And you want to have a good time. I get that. No, I like, I get it. You guys want to go out and have a good fucking time. But maybe there was a smarter way to do it. Bro, I sat at home at my house for three months. And then the second they opened restaurants, I was sitting on patios. You know what I mean? Like, if I can do it, I understand these guys, having won the Stanley Cup, are going to kind of go a little squirrely and lose control here for a minute. Of course they're going to. You got to put the the superhero fucking mentality into play here. Like, these guys, like, at the end of the day. Um, aside from, like, your Max Domies and guys who have underlying conditions, none of these guys are really going to be at risk if they get this, this fucking thing. They're going to have their sniffles for a couple weeks, uh, and sniffles. then they're going to get back in the gym, and they're going to show up at hockey uh, rinks for next season. Uh, but it's the fans. Which, and, coincidentally, and, is in, a, in, like, a week or yeah, something. But it's the fans, and, and that's what really bothers me, is that, is that you, do, you do this, they say, you know, for the fans. This championship is for the fans and all this, and then... And then you're running around providing an atmosphere in which your fans are going to get sick. And and maybe some of these people are going to fucking die because of this. Yeah. Like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, really cool of Alex Kalorn to be like, oh, it was, it was awesome for DeSantis to open up all the bars for the weekend there. And then, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I can't wait to find out that fucking, like, thousands of people got COVID from that parade. That's kind of a, a, parade. a political take. I'm surprised to... He was allowed to say that considering he works in sports. Is it almost like he should stick to sports yeah, is what you're saying? Maybe he should. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how you don't get called out for that when you're on one side of that Interesting. argument. Interesting. Uh here okay, here's what sort of bugged me though. Was it's I'm not even saying that they shouldn't have said that they were unhappy with it, but I just thought it was super fucking ironic of the NHL to be like, oh, we're not happy about this at all, and we're going to look into this. And it's like, well, why? what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Like, obviously I'm not saying that they shouldn't have brought the season back to avoid this happening. I understand the NHL is a business, and they're selfish, and they're going to do whatever they got to do to keep their product moving. Sure. Rightly or wrongly, that, that makes sense. But the idea that Tampa Bay wins a cup, and Gary Bettman's just like, Okay, we'll see you later. Have a nice summer. You guys, you guys, I'm sure you guys will be real responsible with the cup. And then, like, two days later, be like, ah, you shouldn't have done that, you bad boys, you know. But boys will be boys. Like, it's just, I don't know. It was such a weird thing for them to all of a sudden be, like, shocked and appalled that this was what was going to happen. Well, it happens every year. It's probably going to happen this year. It's just what happens. Win the cup, they celebrate. Yeah. It's just, it seemed hilariously like hypocritical kind of it was one of those things where you could tell how much thought and effort went into this like you guys you get you guys want it two days later we're out here having a fucking parade celebrating the cup maybe just take an extra day and like think about it a little bit harder just a little bit harder just put that much more thought into what we're gonna do and how we're gonna keep everybody safe but it's florida so um who knows fucking states on fire I guess mm. that's California, but uh, yeah, Florida's uh, on fire with a pandemic. So mm. uh, okay, we've we talked about Tampa Bay for Florida man long enough here. They, it's they, gonna be a lot of Florida men. In they the news. they win their cup, they get their allotted half hour on our podcast, and, and that's it. We won't gonna we're not gonna talk about them again um, ever until next season. So good, good okay. for you, Tampa Bay, uh, and and good luck next year. Um, 
Yeah, which coincidentally is in uh, 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, the NHL goalie market update. Holy shit. We got we got goalies coming out of our ass that are looking for new deals and How'd new they get homes. In and Well, it's, you know, you got to quarantine for 14 days first and then you can enter and, and then, yeah. Enter what? The ass. That's... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. Got a couple guys we're going to talk about some new deals. Um, uh, Lauren Boussois resigns with the Jets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the big stuff yeah, first. Let's, Fucking let's, Laurent Boussois. These... One year, 1.5. Hey, it solidifies the position. Come Party time. Cheap. Go Jets, go. Uh, it's, that's a guy that can play behind a Vesna winner. You know it. I know it. Moving on. Uh <laughs> Brian Elliott resigns you know it, you with love the it. Philadelphia Flyers at an identical contract. Former Winnipeg Jet goaltender Brian Elliott, uh, $1.5 million cap. Former Winnipeg Jet goaltender? Brian Elliott. From the Jets. When? Uh, like for half a season a couple years ago. I don't think so, bro. No? No. <laughs> you sure? I'm quite, I mean, I'm looking it up, so I'm not like 100% sure, but no. yeah, no, definitely not. No, I was thinking Calgary, maybe. Okay, yeah, that happened. That yeah. wasn't that wasn't great. Who was the Who was the Jet guy that showed up for like half a year? Steve Mason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess is. former Flyer. Fair yeah. enough. All right, they all start to mingle together. That's right. All right, all right. The big fish here. Here we go. Got those little guys out of the way. Give them their dues. We're going to talk about goalies. We may as well talk about all the goalies because goalies, you know, they're they're so all right. there's so few of them. Alphabetical and starting <laughs> of teams. We're going John Gibson of the Anaheim oh, yeah. Ducks. Okay. Um. Robin Leonard signs the big deal, uh, $5 million a year for five years with the Vegas Golden Knights. Kind of weird that uh, the Golden Knights signed a goaltender to a big, long contract. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah. you know, based on one good playoff year. Yeah, I, I could feel Marc-Andre Fleury getting stabbed mm. by the emotional sword of the of the Vegas Golden Knights. When Robin Leonard puts pen to paper, and the pen is mightier than the sword. Hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I freaking love the deal for both sides, to be quite honest with you. I, I love that Robin Leonard is able to get, um, you know, a, a substantial amount of money for his talents. He arguably, I guess, could have taken a shorter term deal for more money and made more money in the long run, but it kind of would have been a big if because for Robin Leonard at 32 to... Seek out another contract. I don't know if that would have been ideal, especially when he's a big, big guy. I don't, I don't know. He's gonna stay healthy, so um, I think the security for him is huge. I think the idea of Vegas landing a goalie that, on a year-to-year basis, is probably worth uh, close to nine million dollars is great. The only problem is now they have $12 million committed to goaltending and likely are only going to play the one goalie uh, more th- like a lot more than the other one. So they are going to probably want to try to move Flurry. Like we talked about this on previous shows and, and that opens up that whole conversation again. Where does Flurry go? And we'll probably get to that. But provided that they can move Flurry, which I think they'll be able to, um, I, I think it's a phenomenal deal for Vegas they get a better goalie for cheaper than what they were paying the other guy for um like Vegas just haven't made a lot of bad moves man in the history of this franchise like they just kind of keep they kind of keep on nailing it like they're giving they give out big money and sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's not like they're paying Paul Stasny 6.5 and that's a lot but like he's still good 
Like, he's still helpful. He's just not worth that money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just... I love every move they continue to make. Um, I'm happy for Robin Leonard. Um, I, th- I think this was a deal that he should have gotten a couple years ago. Um, particularly around the time that he was leaving Buffalo. Um, but instead, you know, he, he ends up with a couple of one-year deals for whatever reason. Um... Um, with Chicago and and most recently, of course, but um, I don't know. There's something about this deal that I just don't love for Vegas. Uh, Ooh, I'm, I'm I don't very know. Very interested to hear. That. I don't know if it's the small sample size for them with with this goaltender, or if it's the coaching change that happened, you know, immediately before, and and we all kind of know how Pete DeBoer is with his uh, fucking uh, goalies. Uh, uh, so I, I I don't know. Uh, I think in Robin Leonard. In what sense? Sorry, the Pete DeBoer. <sighs> There's something about Pete DeBoer and his goaltenders where they go to him to die. You know, I I don't really know what it is about the relationship, but if you look at certain netminders that he's coached, they seem to have pretty good numbers before he gets there, and then really bad numbers after he gets there. And obviously, like look. Robin Leonard had a great playoff. Like he he did really well. Um, he he was the guy for all of what three playoff games for them. But like what what goalies? Well, like, I, I don't like, I, I don't I, know I don't... Pete DeBoer's fucking career in front of me. But like San Jose, like like Martin Jones was a pretty good goalie there for a couple of years, and then Pete DeBoer shows up, and uh, all of a sudden Martin Jones can't like fucking stop a puck. And I don't know if that's the defensive system in front of him. That Pete well, DeBoer is influencing, but that that's that's just that's just recency bias. Like it's like he he was solid for four of the five years, and then like was a nine eighteen goalie pretty much every year, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out last year, and then when he was in New Jersey, Corey Schneider was phenomenal, and then Corey Schneider got hurt, but that was after Pete DeBoer left. Like Schneider was great there, Broder was old, but fine. Like, even in Florida, Vokun was fine. Like, I, I've heard that narrative on Pete DeBoer, and I just don't, I don't really get it. But, I the, like, you could make the other side of the argument that maybe Martin Jones should have been a 9.23 goalie instead of a 9.18, and maybe he actually made him worse. But, like, to say that he makes good goalies bad, I think, is ridiculous. I, I don't know. I, I, I think at some point, like... There's a, enough evidence here to suggest that you know maybe, maybe it's. I'm not saying it's it's him making the goalie bad. I'm just saying it's it's perhaps the way he coaches the game. Maybe his defensive system just isn't in line with um, you know uh, the way that his goaltenders have been uh, brought up, or that's not really the, the way that they play the game. You know what I mean? Like um, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's it's concrete science here. Like I don't I don't have a I don't have a fucking magic ball I don't have like inside information behind you know the scenes of, of what goes on but um, I'm just I'm just saying in my, my gut when I saw the Robin Leonard deal I'm happy for Robin Leonard I'm a little nervous about the Vegas Golden Knights that that's all there is that's all I can say to it I don't, I don't really have mm. uh, a lot of information in, in terms of to back up my point it's just a gut feeling okay yeah I think, um, I think he's a great well, goalie. I think I think sometimes in hockey, uh, gut feelings are correct, and maybe maybe you are right. Um, I I am so far on the other side of the <laughs> of that coin, though. I uh, I honestly think that this is probably one of the three best contracts in the league as as of right now. Um, but to your point, 
you know, it is a smaller sample size on Leonard, and we've seen new goalies go to new teams and new systems and have issues. And the only knock that I have on Robin Leonard is that we've seen him in four different systems over the last three years. So is his... Oh, come on. Five. The Trump Maple Leafs uh, is know, big member of that is team. Is his success, uh, you know, maybe more complicated than we think it is? And I guess for some people they would say, yeah, maybe he isn't what we think he is. I I was on the side of the argument that thought Robin Leonard was a good goaltender since he's been in the league, like, day one with Ottawa and Buffalo. So I think I, I, think I saw this coming, but other people maybe think that this is manufactured and maybe they're right. Yeah. You know. No, at the end of the day... I mean, like every other goalie, the bottom's going to fall out eventually. Sure. So maybe those people are right, and maybe the bottom falls out now on Leonard. I don't know. Sure. At the end of the day, like I said, I think he's a great goalie. I just don't know if he's a great fit for Vegas, I think is, is more how I should phrase my my statement here. I, I think Robin Leonard would have been better suited to hit the free agency market, go see what he can get somewhere else. I, I just... I don't know. There's something about me saying that Vegas and Leonard's not going to work out. Okay. So... Um... What was the other deal? Oh, yeah, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, decided they were going to keep Tristan Jari over Matt Murray um, as they give Jari a three-year deal worth $3.5 million, roughly about what Murray was making, I believe. I think Murray was at three seven five, perhaps. Um, so, if anything, they're saving a little bit of money compared to what they had last year. Um, but they got to go out in there and find a new backup goalie to play the system. I, I, I think... They still got that uh, that other fucking kid in the the minors there. What's his name? Uh, DeSmith. DeSmith, yeah, Casey. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? Like, not a kid older than you and I. Nice. Yeah. Uh, good for Jari. I don't know. Like, he's a young guy. He's. I think there's a uh, there's still some room to grow there for him. He's obviously proven this past season that you know he he had enough staying power to to you know kind of take away the job from a guy that's got two cups. So. Um, I don't know if Mike Sullivan is going to love the the decision, but um, obviously the Penguins brass decided this was their guy, and they went out and got him. and And now I, I think we have to think about what happens next to Matt Murray. Like, um, I don't see a scenario in which he's back with Pittsburgh. Like, I don't think there's any way in hell they're gonna they're gonna bring both guys back. So, uh, where where does he go? What, what like what happens to him? Like that that's a guy with a very interesting resume, a couple cups. Young guy, uh, but a little bit of recent injury problems that I don't know if you want to read too much into, but maybe some teams will. Yeah, I mean, if, if internally you think that at the height of their powers that Jari and Murray are just as good as each other, then I understand taking the bet on Jari because Jari has been the better goalie more recently. Sure. So, yeah, like why would you want to sit around and wait for Murray to get his shit together? When in reality, you have a goalie just as good right there that you can just sign. So, like, I, I understand maybe why they would want to go Jari over Murray in that sense, if that's what they think internally. Uh, I, I don't think Tristan Jari is is um, anything to get too excited about. I've seen uh, comparisons to Braden Holtby, where it took Holtby, like, four years to become a starting goaltender. The, the difference is that uh, in those three, four years where Holtby was, like, a 1B, he was also, like, a 930 goaltender. <laughs> he was fucking insanely good in those years, mm-hmm. and uh, Jari, uh, largely, until this year, was not good. So, 
it's a little interesting, I think, to make that comparison. But, uh, like, I, I just don't think that they are comparables, to be honest. But, um, I don't... I don't love it, really. Like, it's it's commitment to a goalie that you've never really been that high on. Um, after, like, 57 starts in the NHL. Like, it's just... You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not great. It, it's an interesting decision. It's not one of those decisions where, uh, like most things Pittsburgh do lately, does lately, that I'm going to sit here and rip it apart. But it's a little curious. Uh, if they're going to move on from Murray, that's fine and, and maybe is the right move. But, um, like, honestly, at, at this stage, I think when your goaltending is so hard to predict, they are a team that should have your 1A, 1B tandem, and they don't right now. They're going to have to sign another goalie when they trade Murray anyway. Wait, so... You think they're going to trade Murray? Well, I I just... I don't see the motivation for Murray to take a one-year show-me contract when he's already showed them. And I do think that there are teams that would be willing to give him years uh, at whatever dollar. But, like, there are plenty of teams that need to figure something out in net. So, if I'm Murray, I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah, it's not a fan base or a team that's treated him particularly amazing in the first place. So, but you got your cups there. You've you've got your you've got your shit in Pittsburgh, to, so to speak, right? Like, it's it's hard to just get up and leave sometimes. And um, for for the basis of his career, probably the best move. But you know, it's not everyone can look at it from that from that perspective. And like, I, I wish I wish the guy well. I think he's getting a a, a bit of a raw deal in Pittsburgh, but. You know, um, I mean, here's another thing. If I'm Matt Murray, I don't want anything to do with that fucking franchise moving forward. <laughs> I think that's a tire fire. So I, I think uh, getting traded would be a blessing in disguise. You know, could be. Ideally, yeah. you want to win more cups. Like, what the hell? I don't really understand what the hell the point of playing hockey if you're getting paid modestly is to play on a bad team. Yeah. So I mean, why would he want to just sit there and get pummeled every night for 45 shots when Crosby and Malkin retire? Like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. A um, lot of lot of moving pieces. The, like I said, the goalie market's going to be very interesting over the next week or two um, to see where all these guys end up. It, it's one of those things where I get the feeling that there's there's going to be a lot of guys on the outside looking in. Um, just not enough spots for you know uh, all the, all the all the teams. You need two guys in every market, and I, I think that there's going to be you know three or four guys that all of a sudden find themselves taking AHL contracts or heading over to Europe to. To find playing time, um, and one of those guys might be Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, the uh, New York Rangers staple has been bought out of his last year in uh, New York. We'll be looking for somewhere else to play, uh, unless he takes the retirement route. And he's been pretty mum on that. He hasn't really come out and said like, you know, I, I, I'm going to call it call it a career. I'm going to hang it up. Um, and I think to me that says I think he wants to see what's out there. Uh, see what kind of offers he gets, and and yeah, if, if if come November he doesn't have an offer, you know, in his in his face, then you know what, uh, I can't see him being the kind of guy that would go back and 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 play overseas or anything like that. But well, I don't want an offer in my face, though. I want it gently placed on my desk. Well, you take what you can get sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I got a good feeling about Lundqvist. I think he's back somewhere. I think a team is going to give him a, a real decent like sh- uh, look at being like a one B. And I think that team is the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, God. I saw that Photoshop version of the jersey. 
the Carolina Hurricanes jersey, Henrik Lundqvist, and I, oh. I almost fucking puked. Um, not not because I think it's a bad fit. It was just like See. so jarring. Yeah. It's it like was, seeing Brian Leach in a Leaf jersey. It was worse than seeing Broder in a Blues jersey. And it wasn't even real. It was just a fucking cartoon picture. Um, yeah, I, I, I for sure think Lundquist is back next year. I don't, I don't think that a guy uh, that has his level of legacy, that is as concerned with his level of his legacy, uh, says thank you to New York and doesn't add it with a, I'm, fading into the into the night sort of statement like he made that statement basically to say i'm moving on not you know what i mean i'm i'm moving into the night or anything like that i i think he's back for sure um i would sign him for sure as a 1b provided that your 1a is good yeah i I don't think he can be a starter at this point you you know you know what i would love to see (laughs) 65 games of Henry Lundqvist next year. Uh, wow, well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to see 74 games of prime Lundqvist mm. next year, but I've accepted that that seems, won't be the seems like it's unlikely. Yeah. Unlikely, to put it politely. Mm. Um, I I would love they move on from Flower and they bring in Lundqvist behind Leonard in Vegas. I think would just... Because, like, you need... You need a 1A that is good enough to play, I think, 66% of the games, not 52. You know what I mean? Like, if not that I would want him to go uh, to Montreal, but, like, if they hadn't acquired Jake Allen, like, I think behind Price is good. Because you want the guy... I Like, I don't think he's good enough to play 48 games anymore. I think he's good enough to play 30. Okay? So if you put him on a team with a starting goal, he's going to do most of the work, like Tampa Bay, like... Uh, the Jets like Vegas I think that that's a good fit for him so I think he comes back and as long as he's in the right situation I I hope it goes well Uh, I don't really care what the team is but the thing is with the fit in Carolina is you know like Leonard or Lundquist can't be the best goalie that they acquire this offseason right because if he's their 1A I'm I I don't think he's much better than what they've got going on right now he's better but not by a ton, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't see Lundqvist taking a uh, league minimum deal in Vegas after they sign Alex Petrangelo. Uh, there it is. Defense, so. <laughs> there uh, it not is. sure I like that one. But, there it uh, is. Yeah, fucking, uh, fucking St. Louis Blues getting ready to uh, fucking place tampering charges, apparently, uh, should Petrangelo sign with Vegas. Apparently, uh, the talk's getting very... Um, borderline illegal in terms of what you can and cannot say to a uh, a pending free agent. Um, that would be yeah, fucking. That'd be wild. Fuck it. The mafia runs Vegas, man. Who cares? They do oh, whatever wow. they want. The mafia. I, I didn't realize shit. that they were still as powerful as people uh, think they are. Oh yeah. Uh, it's well, all types of mafias. You got your uh, you got your Italian yeah families. You got yeah. your your yakuza. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know? Did Did you hear about that fucking house that got busted in in Toronto? Like, it was running, like, an illegal casino out of it. Like, this massive mansion, and it was the fucking Japanese mafia. You trying to run a casino during COVID? That can't be safe. Yeah, well, among other things. Oh, man, well, there was a lot of shady shit going on there. But, yeah. It was, like, one of the biggest, like, busts in the history Mm. of Canada. Don't forget the uh, the Irish uh, mafia. That's a thing. Is it? Boston. 
What do you Older than the boys. Yeah. 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 Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of in bed with the Italians a little bit, though. Like, Ooh, it's sort of, yeah. Have they mended fences? A little well. I don't know about in Boston. I don't know how... I don't know a lot about the Boston Mafia. I'm more, uh... More New Jersey, is my knowledge. This has been uh, Laces Tied to Concrete, the uh, Mafia podcast. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I like the orange juice with some pulp. This has no pulp. You know, the important problems of the Mafia. Uh, Olimata traded to the Los reference. Angeles Kings for a bag of beans uh, right before we hit the record button. Oh, uh, uh, were we not going to talk about Petrangelo? Or oh, okay. I didn't really know there? if there was much else to say. No, I, I guess not, yeah, really. They're, they're breaking the rules in Vegas. That's, that's all. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with, with that. Like, it's just none of the none of the fits make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, the order of priority is he's going to stay in St. Louis... Or he's going to go to Vegas, and if he doesn't do either of those, then he's going to go to Toronto. It's like, not none of those teams can afford him even well, at all. If, if Vegas moves on from Flurry at <laughs> like, this point. Toronto's in the best spot to sign Petrangelo, maybe. What? Vegas like, has the money, apparently. Like, if, if they can get that like, 7 mil off the books, that still leaves them with 2 million in space. They can, if they can afford to give Petrangelo a $9 million contract if they want. Uh... How, well, they, they'll have to move on from someone else still, too. But they're... I mean, it makes it makes sense if you're Petrangelo. Because, like, why wouldn't you want to go play with Shea Theodore, you know? Like, that's um, that'd be unbelievable. Or Mark Stone, or Max Pacioretty, or they, Robin they, Leonard. Oh, my or, God. Like, they would have, like, the best... Yeah. <clears throat> they might have the best... Well, people, they would talk, have, people talk they, about, like... They probably have the best top three in the NHL other than... No, they probably would have the best top three defensemen. Oh, defensemen. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Tampa Bay. Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough. I don't know. That's tough. Honestly, too, and it's not even just recency bias here, but Dallas also has Heiskin and Klingberg. They and, will be. And, like, in a year or two, yeah. that's going to be unreal. Like, when Steven Johns is healthy yeah. and Lindell. Like, but they're more of, like, a four. You know what I mean? Like, I still think I would take Vegas' top three if they had Petrangelo over... Over pretty much any other top three on D. Are yeah. we forgetting someone? Well, don't sleep on the the fucking you know that Johnny Boychuk, Andy Green, fucking. Oh, there it is. Um, who else? John Taves, Devin Taves. The good news uh, is though, James, they're uh, they're working on re-signing Derek Brassard. So <sighs> don't don't worry about Bar- Barzell. I'm T- sure he's not going to get offer sheeted. Too much of the fucking conference. I'm finals. sure he won't sign an offer sheet at all. I'm sure he loves it there. Six defensemen that couldn't make another team. Um. Yeah, I don't know. There's all this talk about like Colorado signing the big guys and like bringing all the boys in to, to win a couple. And just fucking go to Vegas. They already have all the big boys. Like you don't have to bring anybody in and learn new systems. They all know how to do it. Just show up and like play your twenty minutes and win a cup. I, I think Vegas is one piece away, but the piece wasn't a goaltender and it's not a defenseman. The, their their piece that they need to me is a number one center because they don't have one. They have a a pretty good number two, extremely good number three in William Carlson. They have a pretty good number three in Paul Stasny. And they have a, a good number three in Cody Glass, who they're hoping becomes that unbelievable number one. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he could. He has the potential, I think. But he is another guy who he could just end up being a good number two. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that number one center, and that is something that I think that they could use. 
even though, like, in the neutral zone and shit, like, Mark Stone sort of plays that role, mm -hmm. like, he still isn't, he still isn't the centerman on, on most of those ships, so, I don't know, that, that's a piece that they could use. Sure, it's, it's, it's the one weakness you could say that they do have, um, no number one center, just a bunch of number two centers, and is that good enough? Well, there's a debate there to be had, I suppose. But... I just don't know, like, if you can sign Petrangelo, then do it. Yeah. Like, they're obviously trying to win now. And who knows when they fill that spot at center. And even if you sign Petrangelo, you can then roll the dice that Cody Glass does become that guy. But, like, I, I don't know where they're bringing one in either. Like, I don't know where they're acquiring one. Oh, they'll get one. You know what I mean? They'll there's, just go out and trade for one. Well, there's discussion that that Tampa might move on from Stamkos. But there's a lot that would have to go on there. And I don't know that they would necessarily trade him to a team like Vegas that's, like, ready to fucking play them in the cup final next year or something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, I don't know. It, it, it's a lot to... It's a lot to add, but, like, I just... I don't... I don't know that Petrangelo is the right move there, but maybe he is. Yeah. Um, just real quick, something I just kind of thought of as we are talking about this Petrangelo thing with him going to maybe Vegas, St. Louis, maybe Toronto... Um, obviously we don't know what the season's going to look like next year in terms of where the NHL is playing their games. Like there's been some talk about doing a bunch of little bubbles and having the teams kind of come and go from those. Um, then there's the route that, you know, the NFL and the MLB have taken where they're just going to play their games in their own buildings, which probably isn't the best idea. No, it went perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't see a scenario in which we're... I, I, there's no way we're going to get 31 fucking teams to show up and spend all season next year in the bubble like we just had. It's just not going to happen. So No. No. So I'm, I'm just There'd be I'm so many curious. more opt-outs. Holy fuck. Like, if, if we find ourselves in a scenario where the teams are playing their games in their own buildings... We've obviously got a big border issue to get by. We saw it with the Blue Jays and not being able to play in Toronto this year for the MLB. The Canadian government could come along and say the exact same thing about the NHL. What do you think happens in those types of markets? Like, can, can the Canadian teams afford to bring in free agents under the guise that, like, you might not be able to bring any of your shit to Calgary to come play for the Flames next year. You're going to have to go live wherever you are now, play for us, and... We'll just kind of have to figure it out as we go instead of taking a deal in like a Vegas where you can just say, hey, I know where I'm going to be living the next like eight to nine months. I know where my, you know, team is playing the next eight to nine months. There's a lot more stability, so to speak, with signing with an American team uh, in this upcoming off season uh, as, as we come to know it. Is that a like that could be a problem, I think. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, there's obviously a few NHL teams that have issues landing free agents as it is. And, you know, there's a reason why, like, you know, Winnipeg is so loyal to their players is because they want free agents to know that if for some reason you choose to sign in Winnipeg, we're going to treat you like gold. Mm -hmm. So they have to treat their players well. Edmonton does it to some degree, too, because they know they're not going to be able to sign these guys. So yeah. for Edmonton, for Winnipeg, for... Uh, I think all the teams are, are at risk here. Cause... Ottawa, for sure. Like, I, I don't... It doesn't help. Um, I think... I mean, it's a it's a realistic problem. It's it's not a... 
it's not a something that you can brush off and say that it's not a huge issue but you know if you're a free agent you're trying to decide on a five-year deal you know i i would take the short-term risk and decide that i want to play five years in toronto or vancouver or uh, those would be the only canadian teams i'd want to play for for five years maybe so yeah like you know, you, you have to think of the big picture in a sense and, and hope in the short term everything gets worked out. I mean, but it all depends on the guy, right? Like, I I think that, because that's why the joke is so ongoing of the of the you don't want to move your shit sort of thing. I don't care. Like, I don't, like, what the, what the fuck do I care about moving or whatever? Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't give a shit. So, uh, if, if it's going to be a, uh, tricky eight or nine months like I don't have a family I don't care but a lot of these guys do they got a lot of shit I don't know it might be a problem it might not but it's going to affect a decision for you know a guy like Pat Maroon more than it's going to affect like Taylor Hall yeah you know what I mean like Taylor Hall just wants to play for a good team and win a Stanley Cup and I don't really think he gives a fuck how he does that at this point whereas Pat Maroon yeah he wants to play for a good team with Stanley Cup but he's he's got a family that he didn't see for the last three months I don't know that he'd be in a rush to go and play for the Canucks next year for the Canucks who are going to have to live in a hotel room when they play all their games in fucking Portland Oregon you know what I mean like that that's that's what I'm thinking about is these guys that are going to be displaced to a degree um from their from their home cities you know Mm -hmm. like uh I don't know could be could be something to keep an eye on as, as we get closer to free agency for sure um Okay, a couple quick things we got to get to here before we get to our top ten. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson on the move? Question mark. Uh, Vancouver and Boston, the only two teams that he uh, put on his list to be traded to uh, when the Arizona Coyotes uh, came knocking. Um, two two teams. Like I don't know. Like I, I I'm all I'm all for player players having a little bit more control over over where they go and and obviously if, if you if you don't want to get into that situation don't give the guy a fucking no movement clause but like i don't know if 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 he wants out um which maybe he doesn't you got to give more than two fucking teams like what do you expect your gm to do really i think you're kind of handcuffing him in that regard um you're talking about one team that that definitely i don't think can afford to bring him in in boston and then, and then Vancouver. They seem interested. They want to make it work. But again, I think this comes down to monies and do, you know dollars and cents and loonies and toonies and stuff like that. So um, I, I I don't know. I, I can't see this coming coming together without uh, him expanding his uh, his list. Oh well, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, he's just a very big fan of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. So that's why he made that decision. Or Cam Neely. Um. Yeah, who doesn't love sea bass? I think, I I I don't. Yeah, I don't really think either team is very easy to make it work. Like they have a lot of cap space, but they have a lot of shit they got to iron out too. Yeah, right? like Boston can afford to bring them in as is, but then that gives them fill a lot of holes. Yeah, it gives yeah. them six million dollars to sign Matt Grizzlick and and Jake DeBrusque, and that that all but guarantees you're letting Zdeno Chara and Tory Krug walk, which I don't yeah. think is a you know, I don't think they want to let Chara walk. I think they want to keep him around another year, rightly or wrongly, whatever. But Vancouver's got a like, Van- Vancouver's another bunch team of no that movement, has, no trade clauses. Yeah, and yeah. The, the money committed to guys that they shouldn't have committed money to. Who would have ever possibly foreseen the idea that fucking maybe you shouldn't have give three million dollars a year to Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel? Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, like, they want to try to re-sign Toffoli, Vertanen, like, it's just, it's, you know, and that's not even mentioning Jacob Markstrom. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't realistically see either team being where he ends up, but uh, if they're able to trade some money to Arizona to make the deal work, like, maybe, but I don't know why Arizona would want to do that either. I think what I will say is I think it's a smart idea for Arizona to trade Oliver Ekman Larson. I don't think his value is ever going to be as high as it is right now. Uh, again, it's just continuing to decrease, and I think the smartest thing for them would be uh, to move on while he's still, I guess, relatively effective. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'm a team that I would want to go out and trade for Oliver Ekman Larson at this point, but... He's not like you could do worse. It's just he's not worth the money that he's getting paid either. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, Bobby Orr scores again. Um, the Halifax Moosehead defenseman Bobby Orr uh, on the board as the QMJHL has resumed play. The fuck that's going to be really annoying uh, having a number four defenseman the same fucking name. As we all try to predict. Is he going to be as good as the other Bobby Orr? Well, probably fucking not, but um, mm. it is what it is. Um, and that was just my shameless uh, segue of getting us to the draft. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the draft happens tomorrow. Um, I don't know anything about the draft. I don't know any of the players. I know I know Lafreniere's good. I know Stutzel's good. I know Byfield's good. And Byfield might be better than Stutzel, but no one really knows... That's all I know. That's that's everything I know about the draft tomorrow. So yeah. Um, oh, and there's so, some and there's some Russian goalie. I think. So the problem with this year is because the draft is later. It's given more online scouts more time to rewatch the same video. Nice. And to therefore overreact to some of their previous opinions, and now we're seeing just insane shit like. Like, Stutzla's better than Lafreniere and all this shit, and it's like, holy fuck, like, you maybe don't need to overthink this too much, but, um, yeah, so now everyone's panicking that maybe Byfield shouldn't go number two, or that he should go number one, or he should go number four, or whatever the fuck, I, I don't know, I'm just excited for the draft to be done with, because I'm, I'm so fucking sick of hearing... I just don't care. Like until until they're drafted, I like I just don't really care about these guys, man. Like I don't I don't give a shit. Like we're gonna sit here and pretend that we know how things are gonna end up, and meanwhile, you know, like you see high picks like fucking Benoit Pouliot and Alex Galchenyuk and all these guys that we were so high on that just had like very quiet, mediocre careers, and um, you know we thought they were superstars for months and months and months and wouldn't shut up about them, and then overnight we just forget about them you know what i mean so uh, i'm just excited for it to be done so that way all these guys can be put into a prospect pool and then we don't have to worry about it anymore fair enough um alexis lafreniere and the uh, ranuski oceanic uh getting their season underway uh yesterday um kind of weird this is the first time we've had like a bunch of draft eligible guys that should have been drafted in june make it to the next season so you know he's getting a little bit more ice time with his uh his junior team i think that's kind of neat you know for a guy like that he 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 spends all year last year thinking this is it i'm never gonna play at this level of hockey again i'm never gonna see these guys again and then the the fucking the world goes on pause and he uh 
he has to wait for the draft, and then the season starts, and he comes back, and I don't know. I think it's a really cool way to kind of keep the keep the not the dream, I guess, because the dream would be fucking playing in NHL. But you see, I don't know. He's keeping the the career going in the in the, in the QMJHL. I think that's oh, kind of neat. And, who doesn't dream of playing for the Ramuski Oceanic? Well, I would. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, it'd be a so lot of fun. Cool. You're fucking twenty eight years oh, old and blast. hanging out with a bunch of children. Yeah. Be out there buying beers for the boys, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hockey culture, the worst. Con- contributing, uh, yeah, contributing well. I see. Uh, okay, top ten. Uh, we haven't done a top ten in a while, no. but it's top ten time. It's top back. Uh, the uh, playoffs are over, as we we said. Uh, it, it was a fun little time in the bubble. We all had a good time. Um, so it we, wasn't we, well, yeah. I don't think anyone well, had I think, a good time. I, I think after this top ten, you will uh, you will agree that it was a fun little time because we're doing the top ten bubble moments from this year's playoffs, um, which is just a a way of saying the top ten playoff moments. But we what, were, what we're saying it, the bubble moments. What was it that uh, I can't remember exactly what he said? But Andre Sekera said something to the effect. Yesterday, of he would he would rather go to prison for two months than live in the NHL bubble ever again. Like, I don't know, okay, that's pretty fuck, fucking terrible. Then how, I guess. how are the bubbles in the Slovakian like government? That's or sorry, the the prisons in Slovakia. That's yeah, be... I don't know if they do bubbles. <sighs> yeah, I don't know why that makes sense? Fucking Andre's gonna. Uh... <laughs> All right, top <laughs> ten bubble moments. Um... Just. Throwing daggers yeah. three quarters of the way in the episode for me to go back and find. <laughs> we are uh, we are combining our top ten this week, so uh, I've got the list in front of me. Uh, and number ten is uh, the Avalanche uh, putting up back to back touchdowns against the Arizona Coyotes yeah. in the first round. That was fucking hilarious, freaking awesome, man! <laughs> like, and it was just one of those things where it's like for a few days we're just like, oh, it's just so nice to have hockey back and. Wow, the oh, hockey, the hockey's it's gonna been be good. the hockey's been so good, and then like all the Avalanche fans are sitting here being like, "Ah, uh, have you seen what's going on in our series? Like this is horrible. Yeah. We're just fucking destroying them." Hey, did you hear the Avalanche won seven one? Wow, that's crazy. Twenty four hours later, hey, the Avalanche are up seven nothing again. Holy fuck, this yeah. is weird. And it was just like you've seen wins in the past where it's like seven one, and it's like ah, the goalie just had a bad day, but it was like. In those two games, I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but the shots were like, like eighty nine to to twenty over two games or something for Colorado. Like it was just insane. They killed them. So yeah, I mean it was it was just funny. It was just crazy, crazy domination. It's almost like maybe Arizona shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Mm, probably not. Uh, number nine is the goaltending that we saw in the Vancouver Vegas series. Fucking Robin Leonard showing up. Patrick Demko showing up. Um, there was like three goals scored in those seven games. It was fucking. It was. It was awesome. It was great. I loved it. I enjoyed every moment of it. Vegas yeah. gets Vancouver on the ropes. Here comes this kid Demko. Shuts the door for like three straight games. It was awesome. I had a great time. It was interesting to see Thatcher Demko finally, you know, show show who he a, a, hopefully a, will yeah be. like a like a, a little bit of a showcase of what we think he might be long term. Mm-hmm. And now has created a little bit of a goalie controversy in Vancouver, maybe rightly or wrongly. Um, it was nice to see, because Vegas brought in Leonard, they decided to start Leonard. It was nice to see Leonard actually display his level of talent, so now we can, uh, you know, 
basically, at least I can say with assurance that he's definitely one of the best goalies in the league. And um, yeah, it was an interesting series. I guess Leonard was more interesting maybe over the course of uh, the playoff run more so in that than in that series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, number eight. Uh, uh, Anyone knows this guy? Joel Kivirant is that his first name? Joel. Joel. Yeah. Joel. Yeah. Joel Kivirant. Yo- Joel. Uh, the uh, Game 7 hat-trick that he scored uh, against the Colorado Avalanche to send them home. Um, that was neat. You don't see a lot of Game 7 hat-tricks. Not even Mr. Game 7 has a Game 7 hat-trick. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so does, does that make Joel Kiviranta the new Mr. Game 7? We'll have to see. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think one Game 7 is not enough sample size to uh, declare him no? Mr. Game 7. Oh. It's like Mr. Worldwide. Like Pitbull did have to do a few tours before he could wow. really be Mr. Worldwide. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how Mr. Worldwide's doing. <sighs> Fuck, he's having a great time. Well, what are you talking about? Living in Miami? Oh, know. yeah, but like he, owns, little... he owns Miami. You know what I mean? Like, he's got some safe houses, I'm sure. Really? Well, he, he should try to get some people back into their homes, maybe, and if he's got so much pull there. Well, he's going to do a free concert, and everyone's going to come out and see that, so <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Raise some money. Oh, actually, he played the uh, uh, he played the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup parade. He was on yeah. uh, freaking Alex Kalorn's boat. Yeah, the cup is in Miami. Um, number seven, uh, Connor McDavid. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres. Uh, number seven, Connor McDavid does Connor McDavid things to the Chicago Blackhawks, but uh, it wasn't really enough. Uh, he he was unfucking real. Uh, we need more of him in the playoffs. So whoever's in charge. Of getting Connor McDavid into the playoffs, <coughs> Ken Holland, uh, do better to make sure that mm. uh, Connor McDavid's in the playoffs. The good news is, I don't know how much longer that's going to be the guy in charge of that uh, oh, problem. So. I'll fucking figure it out. Uh, number six, uh, Gurianov and the OT winner to send the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Vegas Golden Knights. Just a really cool goal. Just, just a really awesome... Yeah. Yeah. Like, we talked about it when it happened. It was just one of those things, like, that game looked like it was uh, about to end as soon as the power play started, and um, it was just a goal you knew, like, for, like, a minute and a half that, that the goal was coming. It was just a matter of time, and um, the anticipation leading up to it was cool. Obviously, the shot was uh, was a absolute bullet, so... Yeah, it was uh, it was it was cool and and a huge moment in the history of the Dallas Stars to go down as one of the coolest goals in the history of their franchise. It could be uh, the greatest overtime goal in the history of the Dallas Stars. Um, you yeah. know, it's certainly in the top ten. <laughs> nothing, nothing prominent happened to that franchise in, in overtime in the playoffs, right? No, there's at least four goals coming to mind bigger. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a team that really has a highlight reel when it comes to overtime. I guess they yeah. could do we could do a top ten next even, week of Dallas Stars overtime. Say, even goals. like Brendan Morrow, two thousand eight, yeah. like that was yeah. that was it was like two thirty in the morning. Like that was huge. Exactly. You know, uh, number five, the uh, Maple Leafs erase a three nothing deficit in three minutes to uh, f- save their soon to end season. Um, soon to be slain year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I put this delicately. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, hindsight, obviously comes into into play here. But for one game and one game only, uh, for for three minutes, I should say, not even a whole fucking game. They looked terrible that game. Uh, for three minutes, they they fucking wow. That was that was like surgical. It was surgical in its execution. It was just like it's not even as a Leaf fan. It was just like the thing as a hockey fan for me was like I don't like I still haven't heard proof of this. 
I don't think that's ever happened before. It hasn't. Like, there's just there's just no way in a playoff game a team has scored three goals with the fucking goalie pulled. There's just no way that's ever happened. In any game. There's no happened. way it's ever happened. It hasn't. Well, okay, even, even if there was a game in, like, the 80s, it'd be like, all right, fucking whatever. Maybe, you know, the Oilers got crazy on a Saturday night in the regular season one year. Like, okay, whatever. There's no way it's ever happened in a fucking playoff game. It's, I just, there's no way. I'm, I'm telling you, it's never happened. Regular season or there's playoffs, just it's no never way. happened. Yeah. There's no way. It'll never happen again. It's crazy. <sighs> That's the happiest I've ever been as a Leaf fan. Uh, number four. Yeah. Uh, well, probably. I don't know. Yeah, eh? Well. It was pretty cool. It was, like, it was pure happiness for, like, an entire 24 hours. And then, and that it probably, it. it's probably top ten for me. I don't, I don't, I didn't really get that. Because it was just, like. So much could still go wrong. See, the other thing, too, though, is, like, I took for granted all of my younger Leaf memories. Like, uh, I never, like, when I was, like, first getting into hockey, it was like, oh, these guys go to the conference finals every year? Yeah. Cool! And then they just stopped doing that for 20 years. And then, you know, here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, number four, the uh, seventh period stretch in which we saw five overtimes being played between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets. A game that delayed games behind it, like some sort of peewee tournament at the tournament center, where we like the games went long and now your game doesn't start on time. Uh, a game in which Jonas Corposalo makes 85 saves against an onslaught of what would be the Stanley Cup champion offense. Fucking, I'm, fucking wild. I'm still tired from that game. That game's still going on. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey. In another universe, yeah, yeah. That game's still playing. The puck is just sitting there and all the players are lying on the ice trying to sleep. Yeah. Uh, number three, Steven Stamkos scores in his return after missing 211 days of not playing hockey. Um, yeah, one shift. Uh, uh, that'd be a long shift. Uh, three shifts, one goal. That's that's great. That was fantastic. It was the coolest, coolest fucking thing uh, that I, I can remember in terms of one player doing one thing in the last few years. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, it'll go down as one of my favorite goals I've ever seen. That, that was that was definitely was... Paul Correa, but we yeah. we can't talk about Paul Correa we, anymore. We can, we can still we can be happy about the Stamkos yeah, one for now. Still though, yeah, um, yeah, that was that was insane. Um, and again, just the amount of time that he played in the series, like just to think that he was able to to do that. And and again, I still think that hockey's hockey and the game's gonna end up however it ends up, and the team that deserves to win is gonna win. I sort of think that that was kind of the moment though, that just there was no way Tampa Bay was losing the cup this year. Like as soon as that goal happened, I just felt like it was an inevitability. That they were going to find a way to get it done, and for him to come back and do that was was huge, and uh, it was awesome. That was, that was great. I could watch that goal over and over again. Pretty neat. Yeah, pretty neat. Um, number two, uh, and just like Alex Klorn, uh we are not going to keep the uh, politics out of it. Uh, the NHL players kneeling: um, Matt Dumba, Jason Dickinson, Tyler Sagan, Robin Leonard, Ryan Reeves. Um, it was very refreshing to see uh, some players put their money where their mouth is and go out there and make uh, a gesture and, and take a stand and or not take a stand, uh, quite literally, um, about a, a topic that uh, you know enveloped all, you know most of the nation, most of the news, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that while it was maybe a little 
a little later than some of the uh, other you know pro sports leagues that are out there. Uh, they did it. They they got around to it, and it's it's not the best they could have done, but I'm glad something was done. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I I just I think that history is going to look back fondly on those four guys. To be honest with you, I think that um, they all bring something interesting to the table and um you know like it's just uh, like again going back to robin leonard like it's just like the whole thing in the past where everyone considered him to be a trump fan because i mean he did have a trump fucking logo on his mask for a while and and you know the the mental overhaul that you know he's overgone that he's gone under in the last few years and his ability to just say, yeah, it was something I used to think. I don't, I don't agree with that anymore. I think that, you know, I want everybody to have a good life and all this shit. And, um, it's just like, those are four guys that I think that kids should be able to look up to and that young hockey fans should be able to look up to. And that is the sort of response that we want to associate with the National Hockey League. And, um, you can look at that moment and, and say, well, how come there was only four guys kneeling rather than, you know, shouldn't everyone else have been? Um, but I'll I'll take the four for now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that was still a huge moment. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the number one moment of the NHL bubble, uh, the fucking cup celebration. Like, yeah. Come on. Like, as is always. I, I think I, a lot of people were kind of worried that it wasn't going to be quite as cool with no fans. We weren't going to get any tits up against the glass. I loved Uh, it. I, you know what? Um, It is, it is one thing every year. I have, I have, there have been years where I haven't watched the club cup clinching game because I just don't care if it's two teams that I particularly like Chicago versus Boston. I actually watched the tail end of, but it was like, I don't, I didn't give a shit which team won that series really. So I didn't really watch it. Um, and this year, I, I missed the first two periods because we were recording that night. So I came home and I watched it. But every year, I love as soon as the game's over watching the, the yeah. cup celebration because I love seeing these guys who are experiencing for a lot of them the happiest moment of their life, you know, and at least to that point, and something that they've been working for and dreaming of since they were a kid, like finally coming true because for a lot of us like we have we have goals and we have these dreams and everything like that and a lot of us have goals and dreams that very likely if we put our minds to it we're going to achieve but there are so many guys who play the game and do everything right for fucking 40 years and never get to that moment you can do every fucking thing right like joe thornton and never never get there and for me, the guys who do, like, they know in that moment that they earned it, but that they're also so fortunate that everything led them to that moment. So I had a lot of fun watching it. I thought it was great. I just, there's so many interesting stories on that team. The idea that Zach Bogosian wasn't on a roster, like, part of the way through the year, and then ends up signing there. He was a guy I never would have bet would ever play another NHL game and was actually, a, like, a contributor on this cup team. Yeah. The idea that Pat Maroon is probably a guy who he was very he's very fortunate that he ever was given an opportunity to play in the NHL and now he's a back-to-back Stanley Cup winner. Kevin Shattenkirk was a guy who was bought out. Like you know what I mean? There's just you can go down the list and be like it's crazy that these guys even got there. And then you like even up to the top where it's like we were talking 
a couple weeks ago, is Steven Stamkos ever going to get his Stanley Cup? And he did. Granted, he was only on the ice for 2 minutes and 47 seconds in the bubble, but he got it done. Yeah. He got it. Mm-hmm. Right? And now people are going to try to take that away from him forever till he wins another one. But um, he still has the ring. Like, he can still go home at night and look at his fucking ring, and he knows that he won it. So I thought it was great. Everything about it, Barkley Goudreau's parents being able to be there and give him... Give him hugs and... and Curtis McElhinney's too. That was, that well, was fantastic. And the whole point I was getting at was the guys who didn't have their family there, it was so unique to just watch them on their phones. Hmm. Because most years, everyone would find a way to get their family there, right? But this was a year where it's like, yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense. You know, keep the kids in school. You guys stay home. But like watching, I think it was Patrick Maroon, skating around the ice just FaceTiming. And I'm like, that that's fucking insane if you would have told me 15 years ago that this would all be happening and guys are facetiming their families like you know it was just such a surreal thing to watch this year i i I enjoyed it just as much to watch as any other year uh and uh the true number one on this top 10 list uh gary bettman uh getting cut out on live television not knowing what was happening Mm -hmm. as he tried to take a photo awkwardly with the entire tampa bay lightning team that was fantastic it was really like uh, it made you wonder why tampa bay felt like they needed to take a second photo afterwards eh? like without Mm -hmm. without someone eh? yeah it's kind of bizarre i think uh i mean my favorite moment for sure though of the whole of the whole thing was uh we're going home 35 pounds heavier that was my favorite moment Mm -hmm. for sure that was the greatest thing ever and, uh, I love John Cooper so much. And a shout-out to uh, Thunder Bay's own uh, uh, Tony Hercus, who brings home his second Stanley Cup as a member of the Tampa Lightning coaching staff. So. Was he on the staff? I thought he was a, I thought he was a scout. Uh, I thought he was part of the staff, but he, he well, might be right. He's he, getting a cup. He's getting a cup anyway. He's getting a cup. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's the podcast. That's it, eh? I think that's the show. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else in front of me. So. <laughs> okay. We could talk about um, you. How, how are you? Uh, I, like last week, I have an article that I'm still trying to finish up for the North Side uh, in regards to um, just cheap sort of free agent options, depth forwards and shit that I think the Leafs maybe should target uh, this off season. and how, again, I'll mention it, that I don't think Wayne Simmons is one of them, but uh, hmm. I'd prefer to... Kind of weird. I'd prefer to look at NHL forwards. Well, you know, they have a team in Toronto and the Marlies. You know, that's definitely an option. I love Wayne Simmons. Fucking don't get me wrong. I love the dude, but he's not good anymore. Mm. Really bad. Not great. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. That's that's good. I'm, I'm glad to, to, to hear you're doing that. Uh, Vegas yep. has a third jersey. That's kind of cool. Eh? Fucking all Yeah. That's What'd you think of it? Sparkly. Um, I got to see it on ice. I do this yeah, every time where yeah. I see a jersey, no, and you're right, and I hate I, it or I, love it, and then it's the complete opposite. I think under the lights, that jersey's gonna light up and <laughs> look so fucking ridiculous. Like I, I don't hate it. I actually like it. I think I like. Here's my problem with it. Right, we put a team in Vegas, and then the Vegas team does a bunch of Vegas shit, and we feel like we need to criticize. What did you think was gonna happen? It's a fucking hockey team in Vegas. Of course their jerseys are going to be ridiculous. Of course their players are going to do insane shit. Of course the killers are going to be like singing the national anthem. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. 
fucking trotting out Wayne Newton to do a bunch of shit. It's like, well, you're in Vegas. This is actually kind of tame. I'm not gonna lie. Honest like, to God, yeah. Like I thought we were gonna get like an entire like roulette wheel like around the base oh, of the jersey yeah. and yeah, like there could strippers at the top yeah, of the shoulders. Like the jersey glitters. They could have literal flashing lights on that fucking jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, yeah, well, of course it's Vegas. Like, what did you expect? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just like fucking. Alex Tuck's lights go out. He can't play anymore because his jersey doesn't have the rest of the team. There's sparklers that are attached to the gloves that, you know, they're just constantly spraying sparkles around. And... Mark Stone scores and fire shoots out of his helmet yeah. like fucking <laughs> fireworks and shit. Yeah. Vegas, baby. Yeah. Why not, eh? I'm down. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Well, okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone!